So, we're in a series. If this is your first um, time with us at Vine Life, we're actually doing a series at the moment as a church family. We meet at 10 o'clock at the Powerhouse, just down the road every week, um, and then here at 6 o'clock. We're looking at um, a series called Healthy Roots, Healthy Fruit, um, and we're looking at what it means, um, what are some important elements um, that all of us need to have kind of built into our lives um, in order to be fruitful, because the Bible says, you know, we should be fruitful. Um, but what are some of the sort of the root system that should just be, they should just make up part of all of our Christian lives, all of our Christian walks. And so um, I want to kind of, I want to talk a little bit about, um, I suppose, the, the tension, the balance, the challenge, um, but equally the lovely sort of the way it complements this journey between my individual walk with God and, and my responsibility to kind of nurture my relationship with Jesus. But equally, that gets worked out in the context of a body. Um, and how we kind of how we work out those two things because the danger when we talk about a, um, a series I just realised we should have played the video apologies um, when we have a series like this and it talks about healthy root healthy fruit the danger is particularly in our kind of Western culture is that we hear it very independently we hear it sort of slightly individually um, in terms of this is about my roots um, and my fruit which it is in part um, but you having a healthy root system what we are not saying is that in any way that means you're isolated um, that is unhealthy. You know, one of the ways that you're going to actually have a healthy root system and have bare healthy fruit that lasts, that remains, is that actually you're connected to God's family. You have community around you. Um, you know, you are called, saved, loved by God individually as yourself. Um, but you're called into and made part of one body, which is the church, the family of God. And so I want to dig a little bit um, into that issue about how there's individual me and yet corporate us. If that makes sense. Um, it's not always an easy balance. If we're honest, um, probably some of us find one or other easier. Yeah, and maybe sometimes in certain sort of life stages, one or other is easier. And sometimes you're like, man, people are too complicated. I'm just going to stick with Jesus. That's much more straightforward. Um, or sometimes you know it is actually we can get swept up with sort of relationships around us, and we're like, oh, hang on, am I am I really nurturing my relationship with God? And so you, you might, you know, I would encourage you to think about it. Actually, which if you think about those two super important elements um you know, where are you strong do you find one easier um, and that's okay like but i think just but it's good to sometimes be honest with ourselves and kind of do a bit of a stock take in terms of okay where am i at um because we need to have the both so when we started this series we looked at and we're kind of a lot of what we're talking about is coming out of john 15 which is this passage at the last supper where jesus is talking to his disciples um, and he uses this analogy of the vine and fruit branches um, and there's this verse in John 15 verse 4 that says remain in me as I also remain in you no branch can bear fruit by itself it must remain in the vine neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me so you must remain in the vine you've got to keep connected now obviously the primary connection and what Jesus is saying there is look you have to remain in me and him in us. And we looked at that right back at the beginning, this idea of um, we abide in Jesus, but equally he abides in us, which is amazing. So that's, that must be there, our primary connection. Your most important relationship must be with Jesus. You cannot bear fruit unless you remain in him. And so one of the other analogies the Bible uses for sort of connection is the body. So Paul talks about that in Ephesians, um, talks about us as the body of Christ with different parts, um, all valued, all needed, can't all be the same. Um, but he talks about Jesus being the head. It's like, actually, if you do not have connection with the head and life flowing from Jesus, we're not going to get everywhere. It's great. It would be, you know, it's no good having all the other parts. If you don't have the head, if that connection is not there, we're not going to get very far. And 
So it can't be that I'm just connected to other people and I've got really good relationships and, and I don't have you know, life flowing from my relationship, my personal walk with the Lord. Um, but that phrase in, um, in John 4, 15, um, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Now, a vine isn't sort of just singular branches. Like it's, it's lots of branches. You know, some are older, some are newer, some are more mature, some are just baby branches. And, but there's lots of different branches. For me, that, that talks about community. Like that sounds like a very plural phrase. That doesn't sound like just me and Jesus. Um, I think that's plural. Remain in the vine is, you've got to be connected firstly to Jesus, but you have to be connected to other people as well. And so a healthy root system needs a deep personal connection and history with the Lord but solid, deep connections with other Christians as well. One or the other um, isn't, isn't going to be enough. It's got to be both. Um, and the danger is we sort of go for this either or. Ah, I'm more comfortable with that. Or that feels more straightforward. Or I tried a bit of that, that was awful. And you know, We kind of do one or other. But we need both. We need both of them. So I want to have a look in Ephesians. If you've got your Bibles, um, do you want to turn to Ephesians 3? Um, this We're going to read from verse 14. It's a really famous passage where... Um, Paul, one of the early church leaders, is praying for the church of Ephesus. So early Christian church, he's praying for all of them. So I'm going to read from verse 14. It says this, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Love that passage. Amazing. Really well known. It's, it's amazing. It's a great one to pray for people on their wedding day. Like we, we use those words a lot, don't we? We're familiar with them. And as a church, we've, um, we've hit this verse a lot. And we've come back to this passage an awful lot. And I want to pull out three things, which um, some of you have been knocking around for a while. You've heard me talk. Um, pull some of these out before um, but I, I thought it was good to revisit it in this context there's three F's that um, Paul mentions that I want to focus he talks about father he talks about family he talks about fullness um, father is in verse 15 Paul says look that's who he's praying to he gets down before the father and that's who all families and all, uh, all families are named from he's from this one perfect father I mean, he talks about family verse 18 um, for me, it talks about along with God's holy people. That's plural. Okay, That's family of God. That Im- implies that this is a corporate prayer as much as it is an individual prayer. And he talks about fullness. Verse 19 is an amazing verse. His prayer is that um, as we know this amazing love that surpasses knowledge, as we know the love that's unknowable, other translations say, that we would be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And um, which is an awful lot of fullness. So, like, the goal is um, is fullness, that we would be filled, which is a process. Um, and really, in a way, I, I, love, I love this sort of passage. I love this prayer, because for me, it sort of, it just simply um, explains to me, this is what Christian faith is about. This is what the Christian walk is about. 
Um, it's being brought home to a father by the saving work of Jesus, that I'm home and loved and accepted and adopted by a perfect father. But I'm, I'm established as part of his family. It's not just me and a father. It's me and a father with brothers and sisters and spiritual mums and dads and spiritual children. It's like it's more than just me and father. I'm, I'm called home, but the home is not just filled with a father. It's filled with a family. Um, and we live out our life on earth as family. Um, and that as we do that, we walk increasingly into fullness. Um, and I don't think that's one. I don't think that's a, a sort of a two-stage. You know, once I was empty, now I'm full. I don't think that's is. I think it's increasingly. I think it's ongoing. And I think that's what growing up and being mature looks like. Um, one of the Bible words is sanctification. That's that process for me of just me growing up as a daughter. And me looking increasingly like Jesus, me displaying his character, and me bearing fruit in keeping with his amazing kingdom. Um, but listen, we need those three things in place. Um, those three things don't work in isolation. Um, it's not just that I'm brought back to a father. I'm brought back to a father and established in family. Um, but there, there's a result from that, which is fullness. But listen, I don't think... I don't think we're going to reach fullness without really knowing that affirmation of Father's love over us. Um, but equally, I think we need family to reach fullness. I don't think you're going to reach the fullness of God's purpose and plan and destiny over your life without God's people around you. Um, we need family to reach fullness. We need deep, healthy roots going down into the love of the Father. And he uses that language, doesn't he? He talks about roots. Um, his prayer is that you be rooted and established in love. That's where he wants to be. So for fullness, we need deep, healthy roots going down into this love of the Father. Um, but we need deep, healthy roots of connection with one another. And as we do family, and as we kind of walk knowing that Father's smile over us, we should expect fullness. Like, it's not a, for certain Christians, you should expect fullness in and through your life. You should. Um, it's biblical. You should expect healthy fruit that's going to go the distance, that's going to make a difference. So it's an amazing prayer, and I love it because... It, for me, it, it really it champions me knowing God for myself. It's this personal knowledge of the Father, encounters with his love, that I'm rooted and established in the fact that God loves me. Um, that's amazing. But, and I think it's, this is one of these areas where I think it's really important that um, I suppose we, we walk with balance or maybe with tension, and we're just careful that we don't hear promises like this um, and think it's all about me. It's just about me. This is an individualistic prayer for me and me alone, out of you know, out of context with anybody else. Um, would be one extreme. The other extreme would be that this is this is a corporate thing, and it's sort of a generic. You know, the church is this sort of generic blob that God sort of points His love at, just generally. You know, and I don't I don't think it's that. Um, or worse, as we get stuck in the middle, we think, well, it probably is. For, you know, it probably is. You know, people individually knowing God, but it's probably for other people and not me. Like that's the worst of both worlds. I don't want us to land in any of those three places. Um, they're not, you know, they're not healthy because the thing is, listen, this prayer is absolutely for you. It absolutely is about you individually. In fact, the Amplified version of the Bible, um, which basically it takes the original Hebrew and Greek, and, and often there's not sort of an, it's not like there's one Hebrew word and translates exactly into this English word. It doesn't always work like that. There's, there's often lots. Hebrew sounds like what I can gather is a, it's a very rich language. So one word might actually mean lots of different things. Um, so the amplified version is great. It's, it kind of basically it squeezes all the possible meaning out of the original language, which I love. Um, and the way it translates verse 19 is beautiful um, in Ephesians 3. It says that you would know practically 
by experience for yourself this love of God, though it surpasses knowledge. That's amazing. So it's like God is, is I, and I feel like that's deceiving. He wants you to be, you know, in absolutely no doubt, he wants you to know practically for yourself, not for anybody else. He doesn't want you to know it, you know, in order you know, for you to be a good mom or a good wife or to be good at your job. He wants you to know it for no other purpose than you know you're loved um, for yourself. So it's definitely for you. But listen, it is in the context of, family. It, it isn't sort of this individual. Um, and verse 18 is what kind of convinces me of that. Um, that his prayer is um, that we would have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long. If it was only about me, I'm sure he would pray, pray that you would have power to grasp how wide, how long, how high and deep is this love of God. But he doesn't. He's like, I pray that you would have the power along with, in context with, and doing life with, that's me adding, but that, can you see what I'm saying? It's like that you would know God's love together with all God's people. It's, it's not on your own. Um, so it's that balance. Um, it's definitely for you, individually for you, but it's in the context of family. Um, and then verse 19 is this amazing prayer that actually we'd reach all the fullness of God. And then verse 20, we love it, don't we? Um, to him who can do more than we can possibly ask, think, or imagine. Um, he can do more than that. And that's, you know, verse just talks of such promise such purpose such destiny um, but listen to to walk into the immeasurably more that Paul's talking about here um, we've got to have good roots we've got to have roots that go deep into knowing God loves us but we have to have roots that go deep into knowing connection and community and family I would be as bold as to say that you're not going to reach the fullness of what God's plan and purpose for your life in isolation outside of connection with other people um, and I think the Bible, I think the Bible makes that pretty clear. Um, so I love it. It's really interesting to me that then Paul's prayer is. It, it seems to beautifully capture both elements that you would individually know it, but you. It's the individual you and the plural you. You'd know it, um, and it works out in the context of family. It's not an individual, isolated connection, just you and Jesus. Um, it isn't. So. This idea that, actually, listen, you are not going to reach fullness. You're not going to walk in the immeasurably more. You're not going to see more than you can ask, dream, think, or imagine. Um, just you and Jesus. It's got to be worked out with folks around you. Um, in order to do that, you have to be planted in community. Um, so this I want to say is that, actually, you know, it, is, it is to your benefit you know, for you to be most fruitful, most fulfilled, know most fullness you need to be planted in community and no connection and no God's family. It is to your benefit that you're planted there. And so all the other things that we're looking at in this series, so we've looked at, you know, um, being baptized and new birth and that kind of, when that seed is first planted, we've looked at, you know, being rooted in the word, being rooted in prayer, other things we're going to look at, wisdom, we're going to look at dealing with conflict, we're going to deal with taming our tongues, what else we look at, boundaries, um, a lot, you know, getting healed up, you know, restoring things when our roots get um, damaged. All of these things have to be worked out in the context of community. So almost it's a, it's like a caveat. So every other thing we look at in this series, it's remember, listen, you need to work this out. You connected deeply to Jesus, but in the context of other people. All of those things are going to be shaped and refined and strengthened with people around you. But it, it requires being planted. You know, roots take time. They need to be established. And they, that's process. Um, 
There's an amazing passage in, in Psalm 92. I'm going to read a couple of verses to you. And this is verses 12 to 15. It says this, And the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock. There is no wickedness in him. That's a beautiful passage. And again, that I think is a promise for you to take hold of for yourself, but understand you need to take hold of it with family wrapped around you. And that's for you and I. Actually, we're the righteous, not by anything we've done, but we have been made righteous because of what Jesus did. Um, So the promise is that the righteous would flourish. Sounds a lot like fullness, fruitfulness. It's the same kind of language, isn't it? Yeah, that we would flourish, not sort of survive, not function, not kind of just about make it. We'd actually flourish um, and grow like a cedar of Lebanon. The Bible often, if it's using the cedar of Lebanon, it's like the best of the best, the most majestic. Um, But the way that we flourish, verse 13, is we will flourish like a palm tree planted in the house of the Lord. Like in order to flourish, you have to be planted, and not just anywhere, in the house of the Lord. Um, and an amazing promise. You still bear fruit in old age. I remember um, Em and I's grandparents were um, just beautiful Christian people. And um, my gramps was an Anglican vicar. And he, he had um, ankylosing spondylitis. So he was really stooped. From as long as I can remember, he always was like that. And then um, I genuinely thought, when I was like four or five, I genuinely thought it's because he spent so much time praying. <laughs> um, and do you know what? And hands down, one of the most faithful, I would say the, one of the biggest testimonies in my life is um, I think, you know, the grace of God over my life and the prayers of my grandparents. Every single day they prayed for me and my sisters. Every single day. Amazing. Um, but they, they were still, when they were in their 80s, still doing a Bible study, a little house group in their um, home, and then they went to move into a residential home. And, and they they just didn't stop. It was so fruitful. And I remember, actually, I'll... Um, I remember the last time I saw my gramps before he, he died, he was in a nursing home and he'd been for about a year and was really frail, completely bedbound, was on oxygen. And, um, you know, he was, and I knew it was, it was funny. So I knew that was the last time I was going to see him. It was one of those, um, and he, he was getting a little bit confused at points, but every now and then there'd be this clarity. He said, shall we pray? And then, um, and I remember, I can crystal clear, he prayed and he said, God, we come to you in our weakness and frailty, but always trusting in your great faithfulness. I remember just thinking, my goodness, you are the frailest of old men, but what a giant spiritually. Just amazing, just green leaves, just fruit, just flourishing, even at the point where he's about to finish his race and be with Jesus. Amazing. That's what's possible for you and I. Like it's not for certain people. It is possible for all of us. But to do that, there's this phrase, be planted in the house. Now, to be planted, like to me, that language to me is it implies that we're settled. That there's, there's a permanence about being planted. There's a difference, isn't there, between well, the first house Phil and I had, we had um, just a little kind of hard backyard. We had a couple of little flower beds in but mostly it was you know sort of patio and um so the classic thing you do is you have some pots don't you so we had some pots we had some plants and they did all right and they had some color but um but it, it's not permanent now the difference now we have a garden is there there's plants that have been planted from people who were you know well before we had it and they're they're more established and you know yes there's been thing added to it but there's a difference between 
a garden that's been planted and, and pot plants. And, and I think sometimes I, I have concerns, and sometimes I suppose in our sort of slightly Western, you know, very much me-centered, you're worth it kind of culture, is that it's, we'd settle for, you know, I've got deep roots in Jesus and I'm in a pot plant and I'm fine. Um, and, and I don't need anybody else. And it, 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 we're either not willing or not able or we don't understand what it is to be, to be planted. Um, and you never think that isn't going to happen. You know, I don't think, if you use that analogy, I don't think us here, um, you know, the church family, I don't think we're just a collection of pot plants. Like, I think, you know, we're, we're a garden that's planted. Different plants, different strengths. Like, we're different, but, but we should be planted. And the thing that, the thing that we're not going to have if we, if we only settle for kind of remaining in that pot plant, which really basically is a way of me saying, well, I'm going to keep myself safe. I'm going to keep it. You know, I don't need, you know, no one else needs to bother me or affect me. I can slightly do my own thing. And, you know, and the thing with plants is you can very easily just move them. You think, I'm out of here. Um, actually, with something's rooted, um, it takes a bit more care. Um, listen, I'm not saying that, um, I don't want you to hear that I'm saying in some way, you know, you should be part of one local church forever and God never moves. But like that, that is not what I'm saying. God definitely moves people around. But, um, and so you can, you can move plants. You need to have some care over it and, you know, plant them again carefully, but you can move them. So I'm not saying that. And I think, you know, that idea of kind of covenant relationships, sometimes that goes a bit wonky and can be a bit controlling. God moves people to different church families. You might move to another city and that's fine. But what I'm saying is this, where God's got you now, you need to be planted, put some roots down, get out of your pot and put down some roots. Because, you know, I don't know about you, but I, I really want to leave a legacy. I want, you know, my life, my kids' life, I want this city. I want it to look different. Um, and I think the only way to do that is to put some roots down. Have you ever been to like, a, you know, an old house or, you know, National Trust, love it. You know, where there's, there's things that have been planted generations before. And there, there's a, it's legacy is the only thing I can think of. Have you ever been to where there's that really famous gardener? I don't know anything much about gardeners, but he's called Capability Brown. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Back in the 1800s, he was like the landscape gardener you'd go to. So Chatsworth House and all those sort of super, you know, you know, rich landowners with these huge estates, he would be the guy. Um, but he would plant trees, and it's often, you know, have you seen where they've got the avenues of trees? And you think, man, you planted that, and you never, ever saw the fullness. You, you did something that, like, generations later, we're walking through it going, wow, this is amazing, because stuff was planted, and there's legacy to it. But we have such a short-term individualistic mindset sometimes. or That's there in our culture, isn't it, in our society. We need to be really careful that doesn't creep into the church and that we're like, well, I'm just going to be my pot plant, and if I don't like it, I'll move. And like, put some roots down. I think I've made that point now. Yes? I'll stop with the gardening analogies, except for one more. I want to pick up on Emma shared, actually, when she and Sam... Um, started we're not it like makes sounds like we're a gardening family we're not <laughs> not at all my gramps was my mum's amazing we're not um but em talked about this thing called companion planting which is actually a genuine thing where you plant certain plants or shrubs or flowers next to each other because they're particularly good for the plant next to them marigolds apparently are the best <laughs> companion plants like there's like you plant certain things together or next to each other because there is a mutual benefit because, and that's the thing. Listen, I hate to shatter your dreams, but it's not all about you. It's not. Like, some of it's about you, 
but it's not all about you. And so this idea of companion planting is, listen, God wants to plant you somewhere for your benefit because he wants you to know family and to move into fullness. It is for your benefit. But listen, you being planted in the house of the Lord next to me is for my benefit too. It's not just about you. Um, so I want to encourage us to get out of our individual pots and get planted together in God's house because there's, you know, it's to, it honors God. And Isaiah 61, beautiful passage, which talks about, we kind of sung some of it this evening, haven't we? You know, this change from beauty for ashes, joy for mourning. And it talks about um, God's people being like oaks, a display, a planting um, to display the Lord's splendor. And again, it's not individual oak trees, it's a planting of, but it's, it's to display God's splendor. So again, it's not all about you, and it's not about me. So yes, there's some benefit for you, yes, there's some benefit for me, but ultimately it's to honor and glorify God. That's the point, that's the purpose, why we need to get this stuff right. Um, so listen, I have so much to gain from your life, from your experience, from your perspective, um, your different gifts, different strengths, I've got loads to gain from you but equally I've got stuff to give and you know that's another thing that you know when I talked about these unhealthy extremes we can get to which is either you know all the promises of the Bible are all just for me and just about me or on the other hand well it's all just about the sort of corporate us and God doesn't sort of notice me as an individual in the mix the other unhealthy extreme I think is important to mention here is is this idea of I suppose it is it's like this companion planting that the mutual benefit of being planted together in God's house so on the one hand, there's like um, this sort of isolating pride that says, I don't need anybody else. Um, they've got nothing to offer me. I can't gain anything for them. I'm just going to do my own thing. Um, unhealthy independence. And I just don't see that in the Bible. I don't think that's what the church should look like. But equally, it's absolutely wrong. The other extreme say, well, I've got nothing to give. So you can't say, I've got nothing to gain from anyone else. But equally, you mustn't think, I've got nothing to give, because you have. You know, Paul's really clear when he talks about, have you look in Ephesians where he talks about um, the body. He says, look, it doesn't make sense. It would be, be a nightmare if we were all hands because we need some feet. Like, so the body as a whole misses out. Like we as a church family miss out if you're not rooted and established um, and planted with us. Um, and that includes you. Um, and really that's, you know, we're called to be sons and daughters. We're co-heirs with Christ with an amazing inheritance. That's what the Bible says. Um, so you definitely have something to give. You know, it's categorically not true for you to say, I haven't got anything to offer, because you're a co-heir with Christ, sharing his inheritance. So you've got loads to give. And actually, it's an orphan spirit, an orphan mentality. Said, well, I haven't got anything, nothing I've got to offer. It's just not true. So all these amazing, amazing things that Paul prays for the church, um, know that they are for you individually, but they're for us corporately as well. Um, but they are for you to to know, to experience. You know, they're not just theories. You know, stuff we read in the Bible, it's not just kind of empty words or sort of nice poetic words. It's, it's truth, and it's stuff that um, we can experience, we can walk in, we can live from, um, for yourself. And it's for you as much as any other believer on the planet. Um, so I want to encourage you to believe and expect that. Yes, it's an individual promise. Yes, it's for you. Take it. Grab hold of it. That's for me. Fullness is for you, but they're going to be worked out and expressed and strengthened in the connection with God's family. You know, my individual walk with Jesus is consistently 
inspired, encouraged, challenged, strengthened, sharpened by being in genuine connection with other people because I get to see their relationship with Jesus. I get to see their success. I get to see and cheer them on as they win their battles. And I'm strengthened because of it. Um, so I'm not saying, in, but we have to be careful that we, at the same time as being encouraged and you know, really benefiting from walking together and your work just blessing me so much is I have to have my secret history with the Lord. I, I, no one else can do that bit for me. No one else can do that bit for you. You have to take individual responsibility for that. Um, but no, we can absolutely cheer you on as you do that. So we have to hold these two things. And it's not attention at all. They're two massively important elements. And the danger is we do one or the other. Um, and we neglect one or the other, and and that's not it. So I'm definitely not saying that we don't, you know, we not saying we don't benefit from others' faith. We can, but we need to be careful um, that we don't kind of give responsibility out for, you know, my walk with Lord on, you know, that worship leader leading us well, or you know, that preacher bringing a good word, and you know, that of course that adds weight, but it doesn't take the place of you taking responsibility for that. I can't, I can't have connection with God through you. Like the Bible's really clear, isn't it? It says in Timothy, I think, that there's, there's one mediator between God and man, and that's Jesus. And so now I'm encouraged, and you're encouraged, to come boldly right into the presence of God. Not via anybody else. You are welcomed in. But other people can absolutely strengthen you as you do it. Um, but it's that balance. You know, it's not just about you and Jesus. But there absolutely is such a beautiful invitation for it to be some of you and Jesus, but that gets outworked um, in the corporate body. And listen, I understand that that's not always easy. Some, you know, different personality types, different experiences, you know, different family setups, different nationalities. You know, us Brits can be a little bit. You know, I'm classically British, introverted, reserved. Like I am, and for years I'd be like, well, that's just you know, just how I am. Suck it up. Um, and I was like, actually, you know what? Some of the stuff that I put down to personality, whether that's my individual personality or even like our national personality, some of that's brokenness. Some of that needs to change um, because I need to let people in and I need to let myself out. Um, and, but I get it's not always easy. Um, and I get it's hard if you've been let down before. Like I, I understand when we're sort of encouraging and championing church and family I get that's hard if church let you down before. You know, I, you know, we're constantly calling people to know that you have a father who adores you. But I get that's hard if your earthly model of father was lousy. I understand that that's difficult. And like, I want you to know that one of the things we, um, we value really highly as a church family is just being real. And saying, you know what, it's not always easy. But you're definitely not on your own. God will never leave you and forsake you. And we've got you back. You're not on your own. Um, but I understand that's difficult. But I want to encourage you that there is, there's such destiny on your life. There's such, I know some of you, I don't know all of you, but I know there is such amazing promise on your life. And that actually that promise of the God who can do immeasurably more is the God who's planned every one of your days. And, but, and, I, and we want to see you into fullness. So I want to encourage you to tend to your root system. And I, I, would, I want us to pray and, um, and maybe just take a moment to think, okay, how are my roots? You know, how are my roots going deep into knowing God loves me? How are those roots? But equally, how are my how are my community roots? How is the health of my relationships? Who am I letting challenge me? Who am I letting close enough to encourage me and 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 cheer me on? How am I doing in those things? And listen, Jesus makes all things new. So if a past experience of church has been painful, He can make that new. 
And if your current situation, you feel like, I don't know how connected I am with people, he can make all things new. If you feel like even your closeness with God, you feel like, oh, I don't know, it feels like it's a bit shaky, he can make all things new. Jesus is, is constantly making all things new. And so I want us um, to pray for ourselves. I want you to pray for me. I want to pray for you. I want us to pray together um, that we would, that each of us would be planted in the house of God and that we would flourish. Um, and I want to encourage you to, to believe that for yourself. So, um, so why don't we pray? Maybe if you want to put your hand on your heart or hold your hands out if you are comfortable doing that. Um, and let's pray together. God, I want to thank you that you are a good father. And thank you that you've called us home. Those of us who would count ourselves Christians and said yes to you, Jesus, that we are home with you, Father God. And um, But God, I want to thank you that you, you don't leave us to figure this, this thing called life out on our own. Thank you that you give us friends and family and spiritual mums and dads and brothers and sisters. You give us people to run with. And I pray, God, for every heart here. I pray for every person here that they would, um, God, maybe those who've been hurt or let down or disappointed before, God, I ask that they would dare to hope again for family, for connection. God, those who feel like their faith in you has been stretched or challenged, there's been disappointment or hurt, God, I ask that you would restore hope to trust in God again. Father, we want to be a people who trust in you and, and trust in people. Um, and God, so I pray for each individual person here that they would know your love. God, that they would know that you love them passionately. That love is so high, it's so wide, it's so deep, and it's for them. It's pointed absolutely slap bang to the middle of their hearts. And I, I pray just for tonight, and even for this week, God, just for amazing, genuine encounters where we just cannot deny the fact that God loves us. He loves me. And Father, I pray for us as a church family, um, and I pray for each person here, God, that they would um, they would feel connected. They would feel part of something bigger than themselves. But thank you, God, that you, um, Jesus, you make all things new. So where there's been pain or disappointment or things haven't been as they'd want, we'd want them to be, and they haven't been as you've planned for them to be, God, thank you that um, you can restore, you can redeem, you can make it all new. So Holy Spirit, just come and encourage hearts to believe for that again, to trust for you again. And God, I ask that um, you be honoured in and through our lives. God, we want to be a planting for the display of your splendour. Jesus, we want the world to look at us and see you. Um, so Father, we ask for health, we ask for wholeness, and I bless every person here um, to know you as Father, to find place in family, and just declare over every life that it would flourish, it would be fruitful, and that they would be filled to all the measure of Almighty God. So I bless them in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amazing. Listen, we would love to pray with you. Um, if there's anything that's particularly kind of struck you this evening, if there's stuff going on, um, genuinely, we'd love to pray with you. So myself and some of the worship team, if you can make yourself available as well. Um, if you came thinking, you know what, I'd love for someone to pray with me this evening. Please, please, please come and find us. If you are a guest with us, if you're first time um, with us this evening, please come and say hi. Um, if you at the info point, love to give you one of our welcome packs, um, one of our magazines, say hi, connect with you. Otherwise, be amazing. Have a wonderful week. Please say hi to the people you've not met before. And um, we will see you again either next week here at 6 o'clock or 10 o'clock next Sunday morning um, down at the Powerhouse. But have an amazing week. God bless you.